0: a turning point, because he knows what turning point means. He knew that from that point onwards, he was going to lose. He was not going to have victory. He knew that I am messing in with his head, I was going to throw him off his game. So, turning point, really quickly. How do you initiate turning point? It does two specific things when you initiate turning point. So, the reason this works so well is, one, It pumps up and encourages the player who says, turning point, that was me. And two, it unapologetically breaks the opposition's game. Turning point. And you know what? Turning point is actually a biblical principle. Do you believe it? (laughs) I've got it right here. Check it out. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, he has a turning point moment in his writing. Now I'm going to be reading from Romans eight thirty one to thirty nine for all those that want to follow on, follow along in your Bibles. But um, let me give you a little bit of context really quick into this. So Romans, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Roman Church. Okay, and um, the letter it's kind of it's a little bit scary. Like if you look at it, it the, the the start of it talks about um, God's wrath. It talks about God's righteous judgment over humankind. It talks about the old law and the law, and it talks about the fact that no one is righteous. Now, I remember hearing all that stuff when I was growing up, and if you would stop right there, it would actually leave a little bit of a scary, even monster-like picture of God if you stopped right there. That God doesn't love us at all, that he's just this mean God who's just full of wrath. But then there's this turning point in Paul's writing. And at the end of chapter 8, where we'll pick up things right now, literally everything changes. So let's, let's have a read of this. The title of um, that section is called More Than Conquerors. And it says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? So he's talking about all those things, the wrath, all of these things that um, that he's mentioned in previous um, chapters. If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, that is a word for someone here tonight. If God is for us, who can be against us? We've got to wrap our heads around that. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. Come on, amen. Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Us. How good is that? He's interceding for us day and night. That's Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, man, at the end of this service, I'm going to give you a chance to get to know him, and it's going to change your life. So that's the Jesus. He's in heaven right now, interceding for you day and night. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul experienced all of those. And it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. Come on. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. What a powerful passage. We're going to unpack it a little bit tonight. Um, And I just want to say to kind of just set us up for a win No matter what you're going through, no matter where you've come from or where you're at right now, I want you to know that that is truth, that God loves you. He's for you. And he wants to give you a year like never before. I reckon God wants to give every single person in here tonight a turning point year. Come on, let's pray before we get into this. God, I thank you for what you have done in my life And in every single person's life here tonight, I thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Holy Spirit, I pray that you help me deliver the words that you have placed on my heart. Come on, let us not leave the same way that we walked in here tonight, God. Change us. Change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. All right, so turning point. How do you have or how do you live a turning point life and a turning point year. So I actually um, studied this text here and just stuff started popping out at me and I, I kind of put it together into three keys that I drew out from this text. So you ready to get into this? All right. Key number one, you've got to know that God is for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? As I said earlier on, 2007 was the first time that I ever set a goal in my life, all righty? So, my, Marina and I, my wife and I, we attended this business um, seminar where we, t- uh, where we signed up how to run a business. Um, we were very young, and I was kind of listening around in the room, and I'm like, okay, they want to set this kind of goal this kind of goal. So I realized, okay, the general consensus, people wanted to make like a 100 grand in their first year. So my very first goal, I'm kind of a little bit of a renegade, very um, driven entrepreneur. I'm like, okay, we're going to do 200 grand in one year. So that's the goal that I set for me. And then when I look back now, what God does in people's lives, I was like, man, that's minuscule. That's nothing. But I set that goal because I thought, that was the right thing. I didn't even ask God about it. Now, here's what happened. This was 2007. So months passed, months passed, and we, did get, we, we didn't get anywhere near that goal. We were like trying everything, and then we'd have a little bit of success, and then it'd go backwards again. You, you may have that in your life, like that yo-yo thing where you've tried something, and even with your goals, where you're like, oh, I've tried that. And then it comes back and it's like, I'm really good and it's bad. We were just not getting any traction. There was no flow in the company that we wanted to build. And it got so bad that literally um, six years down the track, man, this is, um, this is a hectic moment for me. I remember it like yesterday where we're in our apartment at Kings Beach. And by that time, we were about 60 grand in bad debt. We had literally daily, the real estate was calling because I hadn't paid rent. Both of my credit cards were maxed out, so I couldn't pay rent. I had bills coming, and I was depressed. I was in a mess, and I remember it like yesterday, where my back was against the wall, and I just literally dropped to the floor, and I was like, God, I can't do this anymore I can't live up to these expectations that I've set for myself to be this, this successful businessman. All I want is just to be with you. It was a hectic moment. It's because I was trying to do everything in my own strength, carrying all that in our own strength. We were not made for that. We were made to have a relationship with God, our Creator, and man, you know what? That morning God said two words to me. Two words. They seared my heart. They forever changed me. He said this. My son. Oh. My son. That's all he had to say that's all he's saying to you as well. My son, my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. You don't have to try so hard. Because I was trying to chase my goals, my dreams, and literally live life on my terms. But I really totally forgot about this number one point, that God is actually for me. So God actually started taking me on a journey. He taught me what it means to be a son of God. It's awesome. It's, it's really cool. Let me tell you what it is. It means that you don't have to struggle in your work. You don't have to struggle in your, in your assignments for uni. You don't have to try and take all that pressure because the first thing that we've got to realize is that who we are in Him is just sons and daughters of the King. That is the number one thing. If we left here today and you got that revelation, man, that is enough. That is enough. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 7:24-25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundations on the rock. That's what that is, that relationship with God, that rock. Everything, it doesn't matter what kind of goals you set tonight, if you don't have that foundation, if you don't have that rock and you build your life on that, I tell you, it's going to come crumbling down one day, whether you want to admit it or not. I don't care what your Facebook reel looks like, what your Instagram reel looks like. If you don't have this foundation you're never going to find true happiness. You're never going to find fulfillment because first of all, God created us for this relationship. He's for us. Come on. After I got that revelation, I stopped asking God what you can do for me because that's what my prayers used to be. Instead of, hey, God, what can you do for me? I said, what can you do through me? How can you use me? So want to hear the cool thing. Shortly after that, not only did we exceed that original goal of 200K a year, like I, I looked up that piece of paper, I'm like, oh, We're like way past this (laughs) because I forgot I reset my mind. I renewed my mind for what God wanted to do. And our goals totally changed. But we hit that goal. The following year, we actually doubled on that goal. And right now, we're on track to 10 timesing that goal. That's the kind of God that we serve. Come on, let's give him some praise right here because he goes before us. That's what I want to tell you. He fights for us. That's what it means. He's for us. And he promises Get this. You want to write this one down? He promises to bless us above and beyond what we can think, ask, or imagine. That's the God that we serve. And when you get this, this number one key, man, it's going to supercharge your goals, your life, your relationships. Everywhere where you let God in, He's going to supercharge it. So key number one, know that God is for you. All right, it's a big one, but it's like the foundational one. I'll go a little bit quicker with these next ones, but I can't stress how important it is to know God, know who you are in God, and just to know that He's for you. All right. Number two, set unashamed, God-sized goals. All righty. So let's get really practical here, a little bit of theory. The way that I set goals is that I usually set goals around five different categories. Ready? You can write these down if you haven't written your goals yet. Spiritual, family, health, finance and fun. Okay, just a few examples. Um, One of my health goals a few years ago was that I would do a muscle up. It's one of those goals that I have to reset year after year (laughs) because I haven't quite gotten there yet. However, Last year, I really focused in on another goal I had, and that was to do a few reps with fifties. We call them FIFOs at the gym, so dumbbells, bench press, and I got three out. That's how I put focus towards it, and I wanted to get it. Then I stopped training it for a while, and I can't even get them off the blocks right now, so, but... That's some, that's some health goals. Family goals. Set some marriage goals. Set some family goals. One of ours is that this year we're going to go on three different family holidays. Um, I'm getting really serious about our date nights because they tend to get robbed from us all the time. So I'm actually going to put that on as a goal that Maureen and I will have 25 date nights. A lot of accountability up here right now. These pastors are going to hit me up about this throughout the year. Ah, Spiritual goals. One of them was a few years ago, read the Bible in one year, um, fast for 10 days, do a water fast for 10 days, Um, a fun goal. One of mine was, and this was actually because of what God said. He said I needed to get more competitive, and it was play table tennis again. So that was one of my goals. You've got to have the fun part in it as well. Okay, so five categories. Then how do you set the actual goal? Okay, so what I've learned over time is that smart goals are pretty good. You can look them up on YouTube, whatever. It's, just, it's an easy way to set goals. Here's what it is. Specific, S stands for specific, M for measurable. So specific, what are you actually going to achieve? Don't just say, I want to make more money. I want to make a million bucks. That's specific, Alrighty, righty. Measurable, um, it's got to be measurable. Again, I want to make more money. How are you going to measure that? Yes, no, but you got to be able to measure what it is. Achievable, I'm going to come back to that one. Realistic, I'll also come back to that one. And then time-bound, okay? So if you're going to set goals this year, make them time-bound. At minimum... 31st of December, 2023, okay? I like to have goals kind of knock them off early, so there's a few due dates early on, but if you don't put a time on it, you'll probably procrastinate or forget, okay? So that's the theory out of the way. Now, where does God fit into SMART goals? Here it is right here. Realistic, okay, so let's go back to that one. Learning about God and how he works... I've got kind of a little bit of a beef with the realistic and the achievable one in this kind of formula. Um, Because I like to set unrealistic God goals. I like to shoot big because I believe that's what we are called to do. I truly believe that us as Christians, we're actually called to bring answers to the world. And we can't do that when we live at everyone else's expectation. we got to rise above, okay? So instead of realistic goals, I like to set unrealistic God goals. You can't just set unrealistic goals and not involve God. More than likely, you'll crash and burn. Unrealistic God goals, okay? One of the things that we talk about here, dreaming for the decade. It says this. Pastor John wrote this at the start of the decade. I see a church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, innovative, cutting-edge, marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society, government, media, sport, entertainment, education, and business. That is an unrealistic vision. You're not going to have all of those people in one church. Do you get that? But Pastor John has a big vision. He's got a God vision, and he knows if we partner up with God in our goals, we are going to have leaders in the marketplace. We're going to have movie stars. We prayed it the other morning, Jay. We're going to have movie stars in our church services. We're going to have the wealthiest people on the Sunshine Coast right here in this building. And it's not because of what we can do. It's because of what God can do. And you know what? I'll give you proof that this is actually biblical again. You've got to be unashamed about this. It says it in the, in the passage that we covered, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? There it is, all things. Not just some things, not just a little bit, All things, okay? All things. Come on, set some unrealistic God goals. Prove that he is real, that he is living here right now, that he's still the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Come on, we've got to move on. Achievable. Again, I don't think God just wants us to have like mediocre, achievable lives. I believe God is calling us to have unashamed, big, hairy, audacious lives. That's what you're called to do. A double portion life. And again, I wouldn't say this and be standing up here if I didn't think it was biblical. In Isaiah 60, verse 17, it says this. Instead of bronze, instead of coming third, I will bring you gold, number one, top of the game. Come on, lift your game. And silver in place of iron. This was a guiding scripture for me last year. And, um, and God, He gives me scriptures at the start of the year because He knows I'm going to have to stand on those. And and I was in that place last year. If you don't know, we run a digital marketing agency, and one of our big clients is a builder down south. He runs a building company, and then he, like, just for normal homes, and then he also builds granny flats. So we were managing both of those campaigns, things were going good. Then they hired a new marketing manager. She had different ideas, she had past experience with another agency who she said would get results also. We didn't like that idea. (laughs) So we settled here. This is where we settled. We said, okay, here's what we should do. Give one campaign to this new agency, and we'll take one campaign, and let's go head-to-head for six months, and whoever um, gets the best result gets both campaigns. All righty. Here we go. Now get this. So this agency that we're up against... It's one of Australia's largest agencies. They're they're on the news all the time. They're the authority. They do great work. They employ about 100 plus staff. And credit to their work, they do work with some of the largest um, companies around Australia. But I got this scripture here. And I don't want to just live at an achievable level. So every Monday morning, my project manager and I... We petition God. God, you said gold instead of bronze, silver instead of iron. God, you said gold instead of bronze. You will replace the bronze. We will not come third anymore. We will come number one. That's what you got to do. you got to fight for it unashamedly. He wants to give you a double portion. He wants to pour it out. Here's what happened after six months. This is awesome. (laughs) Whew. We five times achieved the goal that we said we would do. The other agency didn't even hit their goals. So here's what happened. Not only did we get both campaigns back, the company gave us all of their web work as well. And they're now one of our largest clients. That is a double portion. Let's not settle for achievable. Let's get a word from God. Let's stand on it. And what I mean by that is leave a gap in your goals. I'm all about good stewardship. Not being a good steward has, is what got us into trouble ages ago. But I'm about leaving a gap for God to move, for God to leave a mark on those goals that you're going to go for this year. Alrighty, So that's it. That's the first two points. Know that God is for you. Set unashamed God-sized goals. Let's finish strong. The third key that this scripture covers about setting big, hairy, audacious goals and living a God life is believe Jay, you're going to love this. Believe you have surpassing victory. Come on. It's one of Jay's phrases. Victory. Turning point. Now, I never told you how that actual game finished with Pastor John. (laughs) I actually lost. I'm not going to stand up here and say I got it. But I didn't give up. I played again. And let's just say Pastor John hasn't won many games lately. Let's move on. The same way, my wife and I, we didn't give up when we hit rock bottom with our finances. That's what the last part of this text addresses. Check it out. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul, he experienced all of those and even the sword at the end. God doesn't promise us a pain-free life. I'll be straight up with that. It's quite the opposite. When we were at our worst financially, we were already tithing. We were already giving into vision builders. We started being good stewards. We did all those things that the Bible taught, yet on the outside, and what I saw, nothing was moving. It felt like we were still going backwards. Looking back now, I realized that even though it was a total mess, it was hard. I was depressed. You saw it earlier on. It still hits me when I, when I talk about it. But I reckon that God actually had me at the exact place that he needed me for a turning point restoration. That's the kind of God that we serve, turning point restoration. I want that for every single person here as well. Because when you said big size goal, you've got to understand, if you're going to write that down, you are going to get opposition. There is another guy, the devil, and he actually hates us. But God loves us, and man, God is for us. We learned that earlier on. But if you're going to step out, and if you're going to involve God in it, I just want to tell you, you got to be all in. You don't want to just leave those pieces of paper with something written on there and then just tuck it away in a drawer. You need to be declaring the Word of God over those goals every morning. You need to be fighting for what's yours. That's what this is. It says we are more than conquerors. Conquerors go and take by force, but we are more. It's already all ours. Jesus already won at the cross. We already have victory. We have surpassing victory. And I want to tell you, whatever you're facing right now, Let's declare turning point at your opposition. It'll mess the devil up. Whatever he's bringing at you, whatever assignment he's got against you, it will mess him up. The promise is this. This is it. You ready for this? This is like the last The that promises this, that we have victory over sin, victory over affliction, victory over persecution, victory over debt. If you're in debt right now, declare turning point. Something's going to shift because my God is for me. We've got victory over sickness, victory over disease, victory over alcoholism, victory over pornography, victory over addictions, loneliness, emptiness, anxiety, depression. No more, because we have victory, surpassing victory. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Give Him a shout, for He's good. Oh, we have victory over trouble, victory over hardship, victory over scarcity, over fear, over stress. Victory over home ownership. Dan Bowman and Trish declare victory. It's a turning point year. The rent cycle is over. It's over. It's finished. Declare victory. Declare turning point. Victory over insecurity. Victory over rejection. Victory over sadness. Over trauma, past abuse, loss, emptiness. Victory! Victory over failure. Victory over burnout and insomnia. It means Jesus has given us victory over death. Come on. That's what that scripture is. you got to get it. We've already won. It was won at the cross. Thank you, Jesus darkness cannot stop us devil you're under our feet that's the kind of prayers you got to pray if you want to hit big audacious goals come on come on and the devil comes and tries to intimidate you this year i want you to yell turning point we have victory Come on, give the Lord a praise. Come on, let's give him a shout for what he's going to do in 2023. Let's get to our feet. Come on, let's raise it up. For God is good. God is for us. And if our God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? There's no one. No one. He's for you. He's for you! He's for you! He's for you! He's for you! Come on! He's for you! He's for you! God is for us. Who can be against us? Come on. We're completely and utterly victorious. Overwhelmingly victorious. We have surpassing victory no matter what, we got to get that. Don't just write any goals. When you know that, when you know you've got foundation in God, when you're going to set some big goals and then you've got the assurance that you've got victory, He's for you. And then here's the awesome thing. Jesus died on the cross for us, and then He was raised again, and then He sent the Holy Spirit. So even when times get tough, I told you, it didn't say that they will not But then you just pray, greater is he who's in me than he who's of this world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because if my God is for me, no one can be against me. That's the truth. That's the truth. Who's ready to set some goals? Come on. Who's ready to get God on your goals? Come on. That's what it's all about. Awesome, awesome. All right, here it is. There's a bonus fourth point. I gave you a little bonus one at the start. Here's a bonus one. When God blesses you, that overflow, you got to bless others now. When you see your goals come to pass, yes, God loves you. He wants you to achieve all these incredible things but it's for His glory. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that this is important. So many people in the Bible, they became so, so successful and then they forgot who actually got them there. They renounced God again. I don't want that for us. I want us to come back next year and there's testimony after testimony of new houses, of million dollar deals, multi-million dollar deals. There's the first time people were able to give into Vision Builders and they never thought it was possible. But I believe it is. So when it comes to pass... You are going to be awesome. We're going to love you, but give all the glory to God, hey? Let's give God all the glory tonight. Come on. Amen. Thank you.